would you want to volunteer to work for you? That's today's guest, award-winning Broken Arrow director, Darren Davis, encouraging us to look in the mirror. Welcome to Music Ed Insights. I'm Alan Fire here with Steve Shanley. Each episode, Alan and I talk with national thought leaders in music education with practical insights for K-12 music educators. Steve, tell us about today's guest. Darren Davis currently serves as the director of bands for the Broken Arrow School District and has enjoyed teaching band there since 1993. His Broken Arrow bands have performed at Carnegie Hall, Music for All National Concert Band Festival, Oklahoma Music Educators Convention, and have marched in the Tournament of Roses Parade. Broken Arrow is a 23-time Oklahoma State Marching Band Champion, and at Bands of America, they are a 13-time national finalist, 15-time regional champion, and three-time grand national champion. The Oklahoma Bandmasters Association honored Davis as their 2012 Band Director of the Year, and he's a national clinician and adjudicator for DCI, Bands of America, the Fiesta Bowl, National Band Championship, and numerous state band associations. Find Aaron's full bio, show notes, and resources at www.musicedinside.com. What was a high point for you in this interview, Alan? I was so happy to hear him affirm something I've been talking about for years with student leaders. When you're a student leader, you always wish your section members would practice on their own, but they often don't. And the solution is to practice with them. They'll always say yes when you offer to practice with them. And Darren gives us lots of pointers like that and on how student leaders can help us build a culture of cooperation. What about you, Steve? Well, when he was talking about student leadership, you basically asked how Darren determined the degree to which student leaders had the autonomy to identify and solve problems on their own. His answer, where he talked about identifying week two issues versus week eight issues, I think is useful not only as it relates to student leadership, but also for directors in their own rehearsal planning. Darren has so much good stuff for us that we are doing something for the first time here at Music at Insights, a two-part episode. In today's cast, we will cover student leadership and working with parent volunteers. Next time, more nuts and bolts on some rehearsal best practices. For now, let's get to part one of our conversation with Darren Davis. Darren Davis, welcome to the program. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you today. Well, let's dive right into how you organize your program. And I am most curious about student leadership. Can you tell us a little bit about how you structure that and how you utilize your student leaders? Well, I'm a product of, uh, I'm going to steal and borrow from anyone and everyone that I can possibly be around. And I always kind of pluck the best things out of other programs that I get to spend time with, whether it's I'm doing clinics or at, uh, at sessions. But if you could boil down the Broken Arrow uh, leadership system, it's all about creating the sense of ownership with the kids and the culture and be glad to share some ideas of, of how we do that if, you, if you're more interested in that. Yeah, please, please do. I'd personally love to hear more about it, but I know our listeners would too. You know, it starts by the culture doesn't, didn't change and didn't take place overnight. And if you don't know, I'm a product of the Broken Arrow system. I grew up in Broken Arrow and was in the band. Always told my high school band director for about a year or so of my senior year that someday I want your job. <laughs> and so the, I've, it's, it's been very passionate to me to see the evolution of the Broken Arrow program. But to know that 
Um, there's things that I do today that the band did 40 years ago. And, you know, so if, if you're new in a position or program, you get, first off, you got to be patient because these things aren't going to take place overnight. But I think the biggest things that, that we do with our students is we get them to feel a sense of cooperation with all the students. You know, it's not just about being a leadership team. We really refer to it as servant leadership. So we de-emphasize the title and emphasize more the actions that kids will do. So we have some expectations or some traditions, things like how the students take ownership is they begin rehearsal every day on their own. So if rehearsal begins at three o'clock by about 2.59 or whatever, the students will have started that session on their own. In other words, they'll bring themselves to whatever the beginning activity is, they show that commitment to each other and, and start the rehearsal. And then the staff, we see that as a chance that they push us and we push them. Things like setting up for rehearsal, creating the, we have a big brother, little brother, big sis, little sis program that we assign. Every first year member has someone who's their big brother or big sis that will help them out and kind of be their guide throughout their first year in, in the band program, particularly with the marching band. And what that does is, you know, say uh, a freshman or first year member, you know, they mess something up, you know, don't do something right. You know, maybe they were late for say late for rehearsal, Well, we don't go to the first year member and say, you know, how come you were late? We go to their big brother and big sis. Like, how could you allow your, your little brother, little sis to be late to rehearsal? And so it creates that sense of ownership. And so those ideas you know, they spread through other aspects of our program. We want it to be, again, I think I mentioned earlier about cooperation versus competition. It's not about my section being better than your section. It's about becoming one and giving of yourself for something bigger than the individual. So those are probably similar themes that probably every band director in America probably resonates with, that those are the things that they, they strive for, you know, and how do we do that? Well, it's, I think the care factor is extremely high at my program. And again, that didn't happen overnight, but it's got to start somewhere, right? Students caring enough that they don't want to disappoint. They don't want to disappoint the history and tradition that came before them, nor their, their peers. And I think when you have that, you're set up for good things to happen. And you notice that I'm not talking about specifically section leaders. We kind of de-emphasize those particular people. And it's about leadership that everyone can be a part of. One thing that came out of COVID is we did not identify any section leaders in the COVID year. And we've kind of kept that through last year. And my staff and I were discussing about how we'll move forward with that. But there was something to be said for the disappointment of someone who didn't get chosen as the title of leader versus the person who did. And that kind of, I think, empowered more people to have a stake in creating the environment and the culture we want. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think for a lot of our listeners, especially if they came through a traditional marching band system and have been teaching in a traditional marching band system, the idea of no section leader or no flow chart where it's director to drum major, field commander to section leader, that's going to be a big change. So what, what exactly does that look like? I'm also curious about how you get those leaders identified or selected, roughly about how many you have who might be in leadership positions, please tell us a little more about the no section leader thing. I'm very intrigued by this. Sure. I'd be glad to. And as I said, this is something that's a new experiment for us. And one thing that I will say to either to my, my students and my staff certainly gets tired of hearing this. <laughs> and I'll mention this quite often at band parent 
meetings is we is I will often say change is the only permanent thing in our lives. Change is the only thing that's permanent. And so I just despise hearing, well, that's not the way we've done it before. You know, I, I, that's just never been a part of our process. And so this experiment that we did last year following the COVID year, which that marching band experience was just something really basic to keep the kids involved. Last year, it just, it kind of evolved that way to not select section leaders, but we just empowered students to create teams with inside their sections. And maybe it was because of that group of kids, you know, every band every year is certainly different and has a different personality. It certainly worked for that group of students. And what I was most proud of is it didn't create divisions of we have the title and these people do not. It empowered more students to be involved. And so the leadership team was, we created it where it was kind of by natural selection, really. The students kind of, they gravitated towards those that have those those stronger skills, but it didn't de-emphasize those students who are the quiet leader that could find their niche of where they could make the biggest difference, whether that was doing something behind the scenes that, that we didn't see. So I know that's kind of vague and not super specific, but like I said, it's kind of an experiment right now. And we're still trying to decide which way are we going to experiment for 2022? And I would say the probably the biggest thing to take from that is there's no right answer, right? It's it's whatever works best for your kids and your program. And you know what I'd hope people would take from what I'm sharing right now is we don't have a set system that has to be the same every single year that we want to meet the needs of our kids. And let's face it, kids and the times are a little different now coming post-pandemic of trying to reinvigorate and get kids to be engaged at things that they seem to have lost. Thanks for saying that. Uh, that's so important. Um, there's so many people who are uh, a part of a, a successful system who are ready to get back. You, Darren Davis, are probably very resilient and your coping skills with COVID are probably awesome. And yet you understand this culture. You understand that students are different and you can't do things exactly the same. I want to lift this up in a way that maybe Darren, if he's going to have humility, can't and, and we can as hosts. Darren Davis is Mr. Broken Arrow, one of the most decorated programs in the nation with a system and a culture that's created excellence year after year. And they experiment and they are still flexible and they don't think they have all the answers. So if I were to be blunt with the, uh, with the listeners, if Darren Davis and the Broken Arrow program could be flexible and try new things you probably can too. So you said there was a little bit of self-selection involved with the student leaders in the whole band. I mean, not even the flute section, there was no drama with this. Could you talk a little bit about how that worked? Well, is there ever a, a marching band season where there's no drama? Right? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. I mean, we, I think every band director in America can, can relate to band camp starts with this huge sense of optimism. And by the time band camp is over and you're into school, then the, the life skills begin to take place, right? Where, you know, students begin to have conflicts with each other. And part of our process is my job continues to evolve each year where I take a bigger role along with now uh, newly co-director of bands, Dr. Kelly Pence, about the life skills that we want to be able to, to train and work on with our kids. And conflict resolution and dealing with adversity is 
something that we can't ignore, right? And so, um, yeah, there's going to be adversity and there is going to be section dramas. And I think every band director American can realize probably it's the, what, the week or so after uh, Labor Day weekend, right before band contests begin, everything seems like it's ready to implode. <laughs> and that's just normal. That's just, I mean, even, even at Broken Arrow, it feels that even way. Even at Broken Arrow. Okay, it's, good it's, to know. It's the same. It's no different. It's no different. And it's, but I think if, if we can, you know, teach kids about that we are going to have issues and we are going to have conflict and try to avoid what we would call drama into treating it as a life skill to have conflict resolution. And that I hope this isn't controversial, but just because someone has a conflict with you doesn't mean that you're being bullied either. You know, that we have to understand that, that there is bullying and we have to understand the difference between what is just conflict and adversity versus something that is escalates to a higher level. And I think every program in America has to deal with that. You know, the, the buzzwords in education areas, the social emotional learning aspect of component of what we do, band directors, we call that rehearsal. I mean, that's what we do in rehearsal is we monitor the social and emotional um, needs of our, of our students every single day. And we've done that before that that was a buzzword. And that's how you, in my opinion, you, you minimize the conflict and you minimize drama is you train kids and you begin to spend time with them in life lessons about how to have conflict resolution. And you don't do it with your thumbs on an electronic device. You do it by talking to people. Before we uh, move on from the student leadership component earlier, you referenced the fact that this approach sort of bleeds into all parts of the program. And I'm curious, I think one thing that many directors struggle with, and I think this is the same with uh, a choir director who maybe has a show choir or some type of extracurricular group, those and the marching band are set up well for student leadership. We need people to help with that to make it all work. What does student leadership look like in the concert band? Are the concert bands starting their rehearsals every day on their own? Or what types of things, when you say you notice the positive benefits, how, how does the student leadership look in the rest of the program, especially the curricular uh, sit-down concert band wind ensemble? Our program is quite large, and so we have multiple concert bands. And so as we're split into all of our different wind bands, that person that's sitting in the third band we need to create leaders. we got to create a first trumpet that has to get experience and skills. And so I think that that by inherent, by our program being able where it's where that's one aspect of us being a large program, it empowers kids to step into roles of leadership, whether it's, you know, leading different students socially or being a first trumpet player that would never get that opportunity for instance, maybe even in the marching band. So I, I, that's definitely an aspect that our size, I think, empowers more kids to take those roles, particularly in the, in the concert ensembles. Are there non-music specific actions, leadership a student might undertake in the concert band setting, aside from sitting first chair or playing first part? You know, we don't have a band council that has president, vice president, librarian, but we definitely have kind of our those students that kind of show that initiative and and want to empower them to be um, our right hands and also to allow us, you know, when we do split into sectionals, if it's student led music sectionals in the wind bands, even aside from the marching band to have those students take, take leadership roles. One of the clinics that I do often uh, with, we do annually with our students um, that are interested. We don't uh, say you have to be this 
criteria to attend. It's if you want to attend is teaching students how to be teachers. And I also do clinics like that when I um, travel and do um, uh, clinic sessions throughout, throughout the, the school year with bands is, you know, it's one of the great camps that I love doing is with Scott Lang at his summer music Academy, which is training the students to be teachers because that uh, in many programs, that's, that's the, the staff that we have to train and, and to be an extension of the band director. And you encourage that to continue into the concert band setting as well. It's a win-win, right? You know, there's no different. There shouldn't be a difference anyway. That skills and and leadership styles that are important for the marching band shouldn't be any different than the wind bands. They they should be symbiotic for sure. So in a concert band setting, say one student who's kind of learned how to be a teacher to other students realizes there are three or four people not getting that run right next to them. Can they just quietly get up and take those two or three people into a hallway or a practice room and work that out? I think that would depend on this, where we are in the cycle, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it's early in the teaching cycle for whatever, if there's a, an event or a concert or a festival or something coming up, I think we would encourage that. And matter of fact, we as teachers should build that into our, our rehearsal plan. Whether it's marching band or concert band, often we'll say, we don't fix week nine issues or problems in week one of that cycle. Likewise, you shouldn't be giving week eight comments in week two and vice versa. So it's about seeing the, you got to have a plan, right? You got to have a plan as a teacher and allow for those opportunities for cooperation and, and sectionals. To me, what is student driven is to see that energy for the students that says, Hey, you're having a difficulty with that run. How about you and I get together tomorrow morning and we go sit in a practice room together? To me, that takes it to even a higher level. Let's uh, finish with any quick tips you've got as far as parent support, booster groups. What advice do you have for the 22, 23-year-old teacher just getting started as far as building good relationship with the, the parents or community support groups that they might rely on? Well, I'm very passionate about the help that we must have as band directors to help us in our jobs. I will share often, I hit a point of near burnout in the 2015-2016 season. And it's because I had to shift some thinking because before that, I was the person that always said, if you want to get it done right, you got to do it yourself. And so I just tried to do everything and neglected the talents of the people I work with, my staff members, my student leaders, and for sure my boosters. So I've had a massive shift of as far as setting a priority and a philosophy of here's how I want our band program and our particularly our boosters to operate with inside of that. And then I want to empower them to be more invested in the program and to help us do the things that it takes as band directors. Professor Whitwell retired from Michigan State would always do clinics and he would say, only do what only you can do. Meaning we're the trained music musicians Anything that's not music, a musical priority, we should give those opportunities to give those things away. So I've empowered my boosters to take more responsibility and more ownership into the program. But the things I would give advice to is, would you want to volunteer to work for you? (laughs) Do you have an attitude and a philosophy and a personality that attracts people to want to volunteer for you? I'm not the guy that likes to work the crowd. Definitely not but I know I have to at the right moment so that I can recruit and, and inspire not only my students, but hopefully my adult parent volunteers 
to want to volunteer for the organization. I think about that a lot. Would I want to volunteer to work for myself? That's great advice. So you said you gave a little more over to student leaders, to parent boosters. Without getting specific, uh, there had to have been some times you had to, I imagine, have learned to say, okay, had I done that, it would have been 100% right. They did it and it's 90% and I'm just going to have to be okay with it. Did you experience some of that as you made that transition after the 2015-16 school year? Yes, but expecting a, a culture of excellence for how our kids play our musicians as musicians and how they become as in their character as young people, we can still have that high expectation for the tasks and the things that we want to give away. So I think if we just set parameters and teach our, our parents that this is the expectation, but yeah, you do have to be willing to, to, to say, I wouldn't have done it that way if they got the job done. So I should be happy with that. And I am. That's it for part one of our conversation with Darren, but there's more to come. Join us next time for rehearsal pointers and, of course, the lightning round. You've been listening to Music Ed Insights. Please support this podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. We want to make this as thoughtful and practical as possible. Please send us your ideas for guests and suggestions for improvement. You can do that through our website, www.musicedinsights.com. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, Music Ed Insights, or via Twitter, at Music Ed Insights. Our website is also the place to find program notes, links, and a one-page download of this episode's key takeaways. That's www.musicedinsights.com insights.com. This podcast is sponsored and supported by Normal Design, Winterset Websites, Group Dynamic, and the Co-College Music Education Program. Learn more about them at our website. And let us know if your business or organization would like to join that list. New episodes drop every two weeks on Monday mornings. Get current. Stay relevant. Music Ed Insights.